Good morning, Real Life Church. It's exciting to be in God's house today. It's exciting to get to worship Him. So I invite you to stand to your feet. I invite you to be bold today. And I also invite you to have a little bit of fun while we worship together. Come on, let's sing this. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? I see lightning, I hear thunder. Something stirring six feet under. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. Come on, let's sing this out. I see signs and I see wonders. I see bursts of living color. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. Come on, church, let's come alive today. Come alive. Wake up, sleeper. He is risen. We are risen with him. Right, I love to see those hands. Love to hear you worship big today. Sing hallelujah. Hallelujah, it is finished. See the grave, nobody in it. 
God this morning. May we serve a God of covenant, a God of promises. And that no matter what happens, He never changes. Come on, the seasons change, but He remains the same.
today in the house. And it is so good to see you all smiling back at me here today. But hey, I feel the energy of another group in the room as well. They are joining us completely digitally this morning. Can we wave back to the camera and make Real Life Church Online feel welcome today? Let them hear you. Awesome. And I'm sure you guys all saw the flags as you're walking into the school uh, today, this morning. Uh, we are celebrating Veterans Day weekend. Uh, happy Veterans Day um, yesterday and all weekend to all those who served. Um, we would not be able to worship in a place like this today if it wasn't for your sacrifice. So all the men and the women in the room who have served our country, uh, we, we salute you, we honor you, and we thank you uh, for that sacrifice. Um, it is such a wonderful day in the house today. Um, and if you are new here, uh, just so good that, uh, so glad you're here and joining us here this morning. I'd invite you all to go ahead and, and say hello to your neighbors, um, give them a wave or a high five and then find your seat. As you all are finding your chairs, go ahead and pull out that connection card. We're going to talk about that here for just a minute. Um, again, if you are new here this morning, welcome to Real Life. It is so good to have you. Uh, we would invite you just to fill out this connection card as much as you feel led, as much as you feel comfortable. Uh, start by checking that first time or second time here box. And we got some information there where you can put in your own information. Uh, what we do with this is we follow up with you digitally this week uh, to give you more information about who we are here at Real Life Church. If you've been coming to Real Life for a while, uh, go ahead and check that regularly attend box and, and see all the things that we have coming up here. It's going to be a busy season at Real Life as we head into the holidays. Thanksgiving, of course, Christmas time is right around the corner um, as we turn into 2024. Uh, we'll be collecting these connection cards in the giving buckets as they pass later on in the gathering. Uh, so fill those out and hold on to them until then. Well, here at Real Life, we're a church on mission, and that mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And as we are entering in this season of Thanksgiving and, and reflection on the previous year, uh, you know, we're really building into these spiritual disciplines. Uh, we finished an awesome series last week called Read Me. Uh, everyone participate in the Read Me Challenge. You guys get some good stuff out of that? Read through the entire book of Philippians every day for 30 days. And, and wow, how does God speak to you through that when you are doing something like that every day? Um, well, now we're kind of turning into some other habits, some other spiritual disciplines as we begin our Kingdom Come series. You know, there is something that is so contagious in this world, something that is so uh, infectious when we do it with a smile on our face, and that is the joy of giving. And Pastor Sean is going to come up to the stage today to welcome us into a new series and a new season. So let's get Pastor Sean up here. Hey, good morning, Real Life. How you doing? Uh, well, during our talk today, we're going to celebrate some things. Uh, we've got a few things to celebrate. One is Veterans Day. And uh, I also take a moment just to, uh, really, Veterans Day is means Remembrance Day. is really what it used to be called. Uh, a lot of the world calls it um, Armistice Day. And uh, really, it's that day of ceasefire from World War I. Uh, remember the 11th hour, 11th day of the, ooh, you all right? She gone. <laughs> Well, we're doing this offering today, guys, and I just want you to know, <laughs> that's great. But anyway, so 11th, 11th hour, 11th day, 11th month, that's how you get Veterans Day, 
yesterday, um, of 1918, of the ceasefire. And it really is a time of remembrance of all those who have served, uh, who've, who've given uh, maybe the best years of their life, uh, doing really unthinkable things, or for some people, really boring things, and some people, atrocious things. And, um, and so I want to say thank you guys to the bottom of my heart. You guys who served, uh, you guys have made a difference. Uh, the freedoms we have in this church, in this country, it, it's remembered, amen? And so let's give one more time for our veterans in the house, those watching online. We love you guys. Uh, seriously, man, it's, it's incredible. And uh, I'm excited for what the wins are in our church. Had some big wins last week. Uh, outside of uh, Tyreek Hill getting the ball stripped and scoring a touchdown, that was hallmark moment for the year. Uh, man, uh, it's crazy awesome. But in the house, uh, there's a young man in our house I just want to just uh, honor today, um, be a surprise for him. But this man has stepped up in big ways. Uh, this person's heart is really towards God, I would say God's hands on this person this season. There's been something special about this young man ever since the missions trip to Columbia. Uh, there's been something different in this person's heart. Uh, this person's in the word. Um, this person is serving relentlessly, uh, loves the things of God, uh, just incredible to watch. Uh, been rose up as a leader, just graduated to our Crave team leadership. Uh, this person's probably getting nervous at this moment. Um, this person gets here 6.45, 7 o'clock, sets up, uh, serves every gathering every week. Um, tears down, goes home for a few hours after maybe getting some culvers with the family, goes back to youth group at 4.30, one of the first people, if not the first person, the second person, guaranteed, sets up youth group, runs a life group in youth group, tears down youth group, hangs out, comes back on Thursday to do rehearsal for worship team. Is this crazy? For God, amen. amen. A young person's heart doing this. And so I want to give a special thanks and honor uh, Logan Hardy. He's all in the back. Come on. Logan's back there. He's hiding behind the computer, serving. Seriously. And you just know it's like way bigger than what he's doing now, right? Like God's got his hand on him. I see great things, uh, and not just the weeks and months, but the decades ahead of his life, is his heart's towards Christ. And so, man, we need more of that, amen? And uh, it's just dedicated to the Lord. So, man, it's so encouraging. Uh, last week I heard our upper elementary class, or our elementary class um, was on fire. Um, the conversations uh, being led in that group and just spiritual, they're just talking about disciples and what is the fault of Christ and those kids are just digging in the word and having great conversations. And so, man, it's just really cool to hear that in our church. And so give it up for our Real Life Kids team for, man, serving, making a difference. It's so encouraging. Now, this is the most random win. This is very random. It's very surprising to me. Uh, but last week, this is just a thing, okay? Just, a, just note it. It's there. You know, thank you, Jesus. Um, but last week, uh, we had more people in attendance during a Chiefs game than we did the week prior. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's like, okay, well, thank you, Jesus. Now, if you weren't here last week, that's okay. We love you. But I'm just telling you, like, just, I mean, it was a total surprise as a pastor. I mean, I'm talking to guys going, like, like we're going to be 50%, you know? I mean, that was the mentality going into this. And so, uh, so thank you, Jesus. Thank you guys for your value choices and uh, just putting Jesus first in that. Uh, but, man, there's a spirit of union in our church right now. There's very, something special happening in our church, and it's just all on mission together. And so uh, we're going to do something special today and just continue this series we started, Read Me, and just kind of launch this next series called Kingdom Come. And so really about generosity and a heart towards God. And not just giving, like, of your money. It's giving of your life and it's dependence on God. And so we're going to add in uh, really another spiritual discipline, and we're going to be talking through prayer. And uh, really, this series is designed to help you be wholeheartedly focused and just crying out for God's kingdom to come. 
for, for his reign, his will, uh, for us to voluntarily uh, submit ourselves to God uh, as Jesus did, and he submitted himself to the Father's will. And so we're going to see this today and walk through this. And so I'm just really excited what God's going to do in, in our house. And so the Kingdom Come Giving, this is something we do every year. Uh, it's kind of a season in our church where we just say, hey, let's just bring our best. Let's be the thing that feeds, uh, feeds us and uh, move the mission forward for the kingdom of God. And I just want to give you some insight to what this giving does, uh, what it's going to do. Uh, the first thing is uh, we want to model what you're doing and give back. And so we're going to give back to our community. We have 25 days of generosity. And so starting December 1st through Christmas, uh, we'll be giving out gifts to people, people in need, people who need help, uh, people who need to be honored, people in obscurity that never want a gift. Come on, somebody. And uh, just say, hey, thank you in Jesus' name. And so we're going to give back and uh, be able to just honor those people, give back in, in a way that um, celebrates them and just brings glory to God. Uh, second thing, I'm really excited about this. And, and really, when you talk about the kingdom come giving, it's, it's an expansion offering. It's new ministries, uh, it's new initiatives, uh, it's updating spaces and places. Uh, it, it's doing so much more, but it's really about disciple making. And so what this big heart of this is to get the word of God into people's hands and to see God move. And so what we're gonna do, second thing, is uh, get Bibles into our youth group. Uh, I've been going to youth group like quite a bit for last year. Come on, you give it up for that. We'll go for that. That's exciting. Uh, I remember I got my first Bible, became a Christian. It was the Rainbow Study Bible. Somebody gave it to me. Uh, they were part, part of uh, our church at the time I was there. And I got this Bible. I still have that Bible. I've never given, given away a Bible that's been my personal Bible. I've always held on to them and uh, just been using them. But these kids, I'll just tell you, there's probably, hmm, I don't know, one Bible maybe that they're bringing. And they, might, they probably have a Bible and they probably have a, 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 a cheap Bible, right? Like just not a study Bible. And I want to get study Bibles for all of our teenagers. I want them to get in the Word of God. I want them to, to carry it with them, to study it, to have it. It's their own. And what the culture we want to create in our youth group is, hey, you come in for three or four weeks, hey, here's a Bible. Hold on to this like it's your life preserver. Like get into the word, bring it every week. And so we're going to have that culture, but that's what we need to give to these kids. And also in our worship center, uh, man, there's a lot of you guys that maybe you're new to church today and you didn't bring your Bible. Or maybe you don't maybe have access to a decent Bible. I want to be able to put Bibles out. You remember you used to old school, you had the pews? Come on, somebody, right? And you, you just like, oh, you got the Bible out of the pew, right? Um, and so you can call these pew Bibles. But having Bibles in the end of our aisles and people can show up and say, like, hey, I didn't bring the word of God. But, hey, here's the word of God. Amen. And it sounds so simple, right? But there's things that a church should be all about. And so right now we don't have that culture. We don't have that stuff. And so when you give, that's what's going to happen. Uh, third thing is this. We're going to launch uh, really what we call a discipleship culture in our church. Uh, for those that are having the heart towards God, uh, they're just like, man, I'm just desperate for God. I want to grow towards Christ. Uh, to get a fast track created through our church, uh, a place where you can get the word of God in your life, create spiritual habits, uh, work with other people you can model from. And uh, this is going to take some effort. It's going to take a lot of energy. And I've realized that most churches, and us included, we don't have a very clear uh, way to say, how can we send people faster? How can we grow people to maturity faster? Uh, we, had, uh, th we did the math on this, and help me if I'm wrong, 80 84. So we've had 84 people commit their life to Jesus this year. Come on, somebody. That's encouraging. That's amazing. And that's people that we've seen indicate. This is not like a random number. That's like, hey, we've seen that. And so uh, we got to help those people not just know just Jesus in a salvation way, but to know him in a personal way and to live on mission. And so that's for all of us. And so we really, really, really want to turn a corner on this. And that's what the generosity is going to do. Another thing we're really excited about is to launch, and this is what I said earlier, an upper elementary class. 
uh, K to five. That's a big gap. Come on, somebody. And uh, we've been operating in that system. There's a lot of reasons why. Uh, but we're at the point now where God's brought the right people. Uh, we, we have the huge need for it and just the passion. These kids can leave elementary knowing the who's who in the Bible. Um, to, to have a passion for God's word, uh, to soak things up as a sponge. They just need the word of God and somebody to just put it into their hearts. And they're excited about it. And so, so we need to fund that, amen? We, we need to see that happen in our church. And it's exciting to see those young people. They got fired up last week. Um, but I want to encourage you guys, this is what it's all about, amen? Yes. I mean, we don't want to leave those kids and just, the church isn't boring, amen? That's right. And so you got to split this group up and do some amazing things through that. Uh, there's a lot of things. Update our worship center. And uh, and I say that. It goes back to the making because our youth, we've launched the Hope Center. Uh, we don't have these lights and, and different audio stuff and things. And it works. But it doesn't work well. Amen? <laughs> Duct tape in Jesus. Now it's time to upgrade for Jesus, right? We're going to get there. And so we need to bring some updates in there so they can do stage lighting and create that environment for worship. Uh, really, we're launching into a women's ministry next year. We're talking about men's prayer breakfasts, doing different things. That place needs to be updated. Uh, there's things in this place that will go that direction. There's some things here that just, you know, will not keep falling over, right? We're living on a prayer with our screen. If Hey. Flex tape, baby. Come on, somebody, right? There's no longer duct tape and gaff tape. It's flex. We've gone to that level, you know? And so it just hold on by a thread, you know? I mean, seriously, if it falls down, I wouldn't be surprised, you know? Um, but there, we're six years into this, you know? And uh, it, a lot of this is original, and, and it's just great. And thank you, Jesus. We've got our value out of this. Um, but we need to make some upgrades. And uh, it's going to be huge. And it, just for disciple making, it just goes back to souls, and that's why we do it. Uh, we want interns in our church. Like, I mean, Logan's a great picture of what you see somebody have a heart towards Christ and say, hey, let's send you to Columbia on a missions trip. Or let's get you in the school down in Columbia for four months. Hey, let's put you on a, like a, a once a day, come out. You can be on a leadership stuff, and then you can run leadership through six months in our church. You might have a passion for ministry and check it out. We want to be able to fund that, help towards that. Uh, we want to see a church planting resident come through our church, uh, somebody that just comes in here with reproductive DNA day one, and we're like, hey, we're going to send you uh, at said point, uh, but we need to grow you. And we know how to do portable church, church planting, and so just learn from us. Amen? We'll tell them a lot of ways not to do it. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, but, but, we need, but we need to have uh, this culture and DNA in our church. And I could go on and on. There's all written out, all this legacy, all this vision. And uh, I hesitate to even tell you a number of how much vision. This is a guess of a number of, like, how much vision we have. I mean, we know, like, the beginning of our vision. Um, but if you said, hey, do all those things we talked about and there's a few other pieces, it would be about $200,000. And you're like, <gasps> that's a lot of money. Uh, not for God, amen? And uh, when we get our hearts right towards Christ, and you think about where we invest our time and energy and money and resources, it's for the kingdom, amen? And we're going to talk about this today, getting our heart towards the things of God. And what it is to really be a disciple for Christ? Uh, what, what it is to, to move the mission forward? Like, whose kingdom are we building? And so uh, we're going to dive in. And we talk about the Word of God. Like, you guys have been fantastic about bringing your Bibles. Uh, who's got the Bible today, by the way? Hold your Bible up. you got your Bible. Come on, dude, that's awesome. I'm telling you, I've been telling guys all around the city, like, dude, I can't believe what the church is doing, man. Like, bringing the Word of God. I mean, that sounds crazy. But I'm telling you, like, there's hunger in this season. But the, but the caution is, is that we cannot just be people of the word. We have to be people of prayer as well. Uh, you think about Satan. Satan knows the word of God, um, but his heart is not towards God. Like Satan can quote every scripture in the Bible and not know God. You think about the Pharisees in the, in the, in the Bible, right? They knew the word of God, but their heart wasn't towards God, right? Their lips did the right thing, but the heart was far from him. They call him whitewashed tomb. I mean, they're dead on the inside. And for, for many of us, like we came out of those churches uh, where the culture was know the Bible, but they didn't really worship the God of the Bible. 
And so I'm just going to tell you, like, we have to be very careful that our hearts are like, yes, Jesus. We're dependent on Jesus, that we're giving glory to Jesus, that we're surrendering life to Jesus. Like, our obedience and our knowledge have to, to match. And Diane sent me this uh, Instagram post or something from social media, and it was like, hey, the education of American Christians is far beyond their obedience. And I thought, wow, dude, that's speaking to me. Because I know enough to be more obedient, Amen. And so we get the heart of discipleship in our church. Uh, today I'm doing something very special. I'm preaching from this little pocket Bible. Come on, son. <laughs> Which I don't know if I can even read from, right? Uh, it's so small. <laughs> I didn't practice with this other mic in my hand. Um, but what's really cool is this Bible uh, is my grandpa's Bible. Uh, matter of fact, this is a really unique Bible. This is a service Bible. This Bible was given to him when he enlisted in the 6th Marines uh, in 1941 and uh, went to World War II. And so this Bible is actually stormed the beach of Saipan, which is the D-Day in the Pacific. So this Bible has been into enemy territory, taken enemy territory. Uh, this Bible has seen blood. This Bible has seen a lot. And it was really interesting. My, my grandpa passed away a few years ago. And, you know, you're going through somebody's house, and there's just, like, all this military stuff. And there's this Bible, and my family's not Christians, right? And I'm like, why in the world is somebody not picking up this Bible? Like, this is like spiritual gold, man. This is encouraging. And so uh, I've been just reading through it, seeing different things. It's very unique. Uh, in the front, there's a letter from, uh, from FDR written to all the servicemen. This actually was published before the, we entered the war, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, but this is a 42 version. Um, what's also interesting about it, it's got the Lord's Prayer right in the beginning. Of course, it's KJV, obviously, King James Version, which is pretty awesome. Uh, I was coming through here and like, okay, what did Grandpa do in this Bible, right? Because you always want to see like notes and stuff. It was really interesting because this is New Testament and then it's got Psalms like a lot of the guys do. And my grandpa earmarked, uh, you'll probably guess, um, one page in the Bible and it's Psalm, what do you guys think? Who said, who said one? You're wrong. No, it's 23. I'm just kidding. Y'all said 23, right? He earmarked Psalm 23, and I thought, man, that's really cool because that's probably something that they would have talked about as chaplains would have said things. But what's really interesting, if you know my Petri family, there's actually another verse here in Psalm 25, and I was going to read it to you. It says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. And this is the part. Let not my enemies triumph over me. And I thought, well, maybe that's the verse he earmarked. Wasn't quite sure. Amen. If there's ever a prayer for a soldier, it's the prayer that let not my enemies triumph over me. And so uh, today I'm going to preach from this word, and it, it's really encouraging to see what God has done through this word, that the servicemen had this issue to them so they could carry it with them into battle and literally be like one inch from their heart. Amen? I mean, that somebody would care enough to give this Bible. This wasn't, you know, government paid for. This is, this is a group called the Gideons that paid for this. That, that these servicemen have this Bible. And it's a really big story, and I'll share it here in a little bit. But we're going to be in the Lord's Prayer today. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. you got your Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be over in Matthew 26 later. Uh, just kind of a heads up. Should be pretty, pretty simple to, to find and to follow. Uh, but Matthew 26, or sorry, Matthew 6, uh, we're going to walk through the Lord's Prayer. I'm just going to read it uh, through and uh, kind of walk through it. So we've got to find it in his Bible. So give me a minute here. And it, what's awesome is they put it basically on the first page, and it's in bigger font. Hallelujah, praise God Almighty, amen. All right, so this is what it says, the Lord's Prayer. It says, O Heavenly Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, we're going to talk about that next week, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
And so you may have heard this, and King James is pretty well known, uh, especially if you come from a Catholic tradition or those kind of traditions. Uh, that last part, uh, for the eyes in the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, it may not be found in your version of the Bible. Um, that, that is debatable uh, whether it fully was originally inspired in there, but you're going to see it in the KJV. And so what I'll do is walk through this scripture. Uh, the reality about this prayer, we know is the Lord's Prayer. I, I would say this is more called the disciples' prayer. Uh, Jesus, when he taught them this prayer, um, He's not praying it. He's saying, this is how you are to pray. And so as a disciple of Jesus, this is how we are to pray, amen? This is our prayer. And it's not a prayer that we recite. It's not a liturgy. It's not a religious act that we just go through. Um, this is a formula, right? It's an example. But it's not a mechanical mechanism. And if you grew up and or been around other, other churches or different groups, I mean, everybody knows this, Right? I mean, by heart, they'll just cite this, but they don't know anything else about the Bible, but they just know this, right? And it's just a ritual they go through, some kind of liturgy. And so Jesus is going to show his disciples, this is the heartbeat of what is to be a disciple. You think about the prayer. Prayer is saying, hey, this, this is the heart you should have to approach God. And so these disciples are saying, well, how are we supposed to pray? And Jesus said, let me teach you how to pray. And he's going to show them some things. What's unique about the Lord's Prayer, um, it, it's pretty short. Amen. Uh, God didn't make it complicated. It's actually very simple. Uh, this isn't like overdone. If any of us read this at any moment, we go, oh, that kind of makes sense. Like we're just not some distant theological, like deep, crazy thing. Uh, that it's for everybody, amen? And so we can all have this heart of disciple making. It's amazing how um, comprehensive this prayer is. Uh, what you notice in this prayer, and you may not have never thought about it, uh, there's actually six petitions in the Lord's Prayer. And so the first three of the petitions, those first three are, are really declaring God's supremacy, it's saying, hallowed your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Those are the three petitions or requests of God. We're saying, God, we want this. We want your rule, your reign, your holy, your set apart. We want your will to be done. And so there's this alignment of our heart to the heart of God. The last three petitions are really our cry out for our dependence for him. Give us today our daily bread. Come on, give us our portion in you, Jesus. Provide for us. God, protect us. You know, let's forgive others. Uh, Leads not to temptation. And so we're humbling ourselves. So this is supremacy of God and a dependency to God. Amen? So th this is all what's happening in these really three and a half verses is what's happening as, as God is teaching us. And so I'm just going to walk through uh, really the first really the first three petitions. And you're going to find it in verse 9 and 10. And it's we're going to spend most of our time today. So verse 9 says this, this then is how you should pray. And he says, our Father in heaven. I just want to stop right there because when you pray to God, you pray to our Father. It is a personal prayer. Amen? My dad. You're not, you're not praying to some distant, unknown, um, mystical, unknown God. Amen? Amen? As Christians, we are praying to a personal God. This word is Abba. If you remember in the Bible, the, the Spirit of God cries out, Abba, Father, inside of us. There's a walk we have with Jesus. And I think about going back to the garden where Adam and Eve, they walked in the, in the morning with, 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 with Jesus. There was that walk, like a, actually physically walk with the presence of God. And when you're praying, you're not just like, oh, man, the Word of God. I'm like, this is so good. You're, at this point, now you're walking with the Word. Amen? You're walking with Jesus. And I think prayer is, is definitely a lost art for most Christians. It's something we like, oh, I know I should do that. And I, I'm so busy and I forgot. And, and then we really want to, but we do this. I, I think about that warmth you have as you sit by a fire. That's the kind of relationship you have with God, amen? 
that you're just like right there with them. And it's for so many people, especially men, uh, we've had these broke relationships with our dads. Uh, maybe hold on to bitterness or there's like, oh, that wasn't perfect. And man, and we just don't, maybe don't even talk anymore, right? I mean, just think about the holidays and there's so much division and it's just always this whatever. And then we have this awesome, perfect, hollowed, holy God that wants us to talk with him. But very few men, very few people have the courage or have the value or the habit of life to actually pray. Isn't that sad? The one that can heal it all is just one breath away, as close, as intimate as it could ever be. And then we say, hey, my heart is over here because it's chasing these other things. And what would happen if our lives just got aligned with God? And it wasn't just our father, it was like my father. Dad, thank you. Wow, you provided for me. You're so different than me. God, I need you. I'm dependent on you. Like how different would our life be if we put ourselves under God, amen, and walked with God? Now, some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this is crazy, you know? I mean, I'm just telling you, it, it, you look at people's lives, and this is the mark of a disciple. I mean, when he taught them how to pray, this is the first thing he says, our Father, our Father. And for so many people, so many groups, um, I'll just say we're not Catholics. Amen? I love my Catholic friends, but we're not Catholics. This isn't a religion. Like, we, we don't do these things. Like, we don't recite the Lord's Prayer because we're trying to earn grace. We don't do Christian things or like Christian things, you know, spiritual things. I'm going to quote everything on this because they're not, you know. You're only spiritual because Jesus is spiritual and he's in you. But we don't do all this stuff to earn God's grace. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't know these things or read the Bible to become holy. Amen? Because we're holy because what Jesus has done in our life. And so when we pray, we're actually praying to the only one who is holy. Amen? And so that's what we get to do is we get to get under him. And so we say, our Father, it's personal. And I'll just tell you, like, this Bible, it's really interesting. You get the very back of the Bible, and it literally is a little piece on how to become a Christian. And there's some amazing verses, and we'll talk about them later. And he talks about what you must do to confess and trusting Jesus. And it's really cool. There's a place you can sign and date your name, right? And, uh, man, I wish my grandpa signed and dated this, like, because I don't know my grandpa's spiritual walk. Like, I don't know if he really knew Jesus. I'm, I'm sure this is the only Bible my grandpa ever had. You know what I mean? And so, like, it's not enough just to have the Word of God and have it, like, one inch from your heart or to know it in your mind. You have to have it here. Amen? And so, so we can't just read the Bible. We have to, have to walk with Jesus. And that's what prayer is all about. It's about aligning ourselves to the things of God. And so here's the reality. Could it be that the devil knows that this book, this book apart from God, is just an idol? Could it be that? I mean, the devil could quote every page. Amen? But, but, but without actually walking with God... It's really not knowing God. And so there's this temperament of walking in prayer with Jesus. And I will say it is personal. And for me, this is personal because it's my grandpa's. But it's personal because we're talking to our Heavenly Father. Amen? It is personal. So Matthew 6, 9 says, "Then This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This word hallowed, this means to be kept holy. This means to be set apart. This means to be revered. This means to be honored, that, that you're above everything, that the greatest attribute of God is his holiness. If you think about in heaven, there's these cherubim and there, there's the, the chants, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is is to come. And it, even right now, this is being repeated. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty is and was to come. I mean, it says over, holy, holy, holy. It's not love, love, love. It's not mercy, mercy, mercy. It's not forgiveness, 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 or justice, justice. It's, it's holy, 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 amen? And because he is the only one. It's just to say he is, is enough. 
And the, the Bible, God called himself, I am. And for us as disciples, we just say he is, amen? He is, and I am not. Uh, for Jesus, Jesus is unique. The Father is unique. God is unique. He is one of a kind. Uh, he is set apart. Uh, he is perfect. He is unattainable without Christ. Uh, he's in a league of his own. He, he's unique. He, he is hollowed, amen? Like th This is who God is. And so if we approach Christianity like, oh, I got a buddy, or Jesus is a friend of mine, come on, somebody. There's a, look it up on YouTube, you'll laugh. <laughs> down, no, 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 whatever, it's so stupid. <laughs> but Jesus isn't your buddy. I mean, he's a friend. But more than anything, he is God. And you gotta recognize, like, we aren't him. Like, he owns it all, he's in control. It's his rule, it's his reign. He's the only king fit for a kingdom, amen? And so it's all him, and we're dependent on him. So it says, hallowed your name, and that's the heart of a disciple. And if your life is gonna be used by God, you have to come to God, approach him, as, as, as the unique one, and you're dependent, fully dependent on who he is because he's set apart. And so Matthew 6.10, so we'll do 9 and 10, but it says, this is how you pray, our Father to heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, that's the second petition. And he says, your will be done, that's the third petition, on earth as in heaven. So your kingdom come. And really what he's crying out for his disciples, God, set up your kingdom. God, we want your rule, we want your reign right now. Build your kingdom here and now with the full manifestation of your rule and reign. We want your sovereign, we want your supreme way on earth today, amen? Like we don't, we don't need another president, we need Jesus, amen? We love the presidents, we pray for our presidents, but we need God's reign, amen? We want his kingdom to expand, we want his rule to come. Matter of fact, when Jesus, when God set up nations, uh, you actually had uh, this theocracy where, where God reigned and, and judges help rule and oversee under the authority of God. And then they cried they wanted, they wanted a king. And this is all for free because I'll just go on this side tangent here. But they put Saul in. You remember, remember the Old Testament put Saul in? And then Saul took over a nation. It's, it's an amazing story in 2 Samuel. He took this nation over. And um, it, was, it was the Amorites. And, uh, he, and God said, destroy everything. Don't take anything back. And they took all, all the, the best sheep and the best lambs and the best animals. And he took the king himself and he brought him back to Jerusalem and um, broke what God asked him to do. And this is the king. He actually put together, Saul actually mounted a statue of himself because of the victory he had. It took one king to become the selfish, self-righteous, power trip king. Amen? That's what Saul did. He erected a statue, not of God, of himself, to put a monument of his great victory. And then he got approached by the prophet, and the prophet said, hey, woe to you. You've broken the word of God. And he said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm bringing back all these sheep and all these animals because of the very best, and we can sacrifice them at the temple. Like, we can give this to God. And then he said, no, you've broken all of this. And he said, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm gonna he argues with this prophet. And then the prophet says, this is the word that God said to him. He said, what the God requires of you, he requires obedience over sacrifice. And so to think that you can like, oh, I'm gonna give some money during this offering and be like, I'm closer to God. No, that's, that's really not it. Like, and not, in the not with the wrong heart. And so, so for Saul, like, it was all about, like, look what I can do for God if I just break the rules. But God's saying, I want your obedience. And th this is why we want God's rule and reign, because we were selfish. Amen? I mean, as soon as you give anybody power, any, anybody authority, any of this stuff, some, they start just having this self-righteousness, and all of a sudden there's a statue erected of their kingdom. And we start touching the glory that belongs to God. Is this sounding familiar? We all live this, we all see this, we all know this. And so the heartbeat of the disciple is that your kingdom come. It, it's basically saying, God, your way is better. I love those songs we sing, your way is better. 
It's just a simple reminder that, God, you're in charge. Your way is better. And the question you have to ask yourself is, whose kingdom do you wholeheartedly want to come? Like, if you were to search your motive, if you were to answer this question, you'd, you'd reveal your true motive. Like, whose kingdom do you want to, to, be, to be made? Like, are you okay with your name, like, slipping into obscurity and just only people knowing the name of Jesus? Are, are you okay with not your name being lifted up? Are, are you okay with, like, the fame and the glory and the noun all go to Jesus? Are you okay with, like, your kingdom completely disappearing and God's kingdom arising through your life? Are, are you okay with that? This is a dangerous prayer. If you can pray full-heartedly, God, your kingdom come, it will revolutionize your life. Because all of a sudden, it's no longer about you. You think about the heart of the of disciple. Um, the disciple says this, everything I build with my own hands is wood, hay, and stubble in my own power, my own strength. If I have to build things for Christ, they're gonna last. So I'm not gonna build this life on the sand. I'm not gonna have a sand castle. Come on, somebody. There's some big sand castles that uh, don't get pulled behind a hearse, right? And we build our lives on, on the sand. And so a disciple says, it's no longer about my kingdom. It's no longer about the sand castle. It's no longer about my selfishness. It's all about you, Jesus. And I'm not in this world. I was planted here. I'm not from here. And my desire, my passion, my prayer is that your kingdom comes and that you're the right and full ruler of it all and the only king fit for this kingdom. And so I'm not promoting myself. I'm not even promoting somebody else. I'm promoting Jesus, Amen. This is the heartbeat of the disciple. They're saying that I'm blessed to be a conduit, uh, to be open-handed for the cause of Christ, uh, to get the fame and the renown to Jesus, and their heart is 100% sold out to the kingdom. And the reality is, as I think about my life, um, there's this idea of, this question is asking me a new thing last month. The new thing is this meeting of pastors. And they, there's a kind of a funny tongue-in-cheek kind of question, like, hey, what's something you quit on life? It's kind of introductory, like, get to know you question. I was like, my first reaction was like, well, I don't think I really quit on anything, you know? Like, I'm not a quitter, you know? And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, I actually quit a lot of things, you know? Like playing the piano, come on, somebody. I quit the church choir, hallelujah, praise God. You don't mean the church choir. Um, I could check the box though. One week, it was awesome, right? Um, I quit football. Um, we were um, defeated, not undefeated, defeated, okay? Uh, all eighth grade year, it was a lot of fun, just getting whipped, beat, and then running, right? Um, it was awesome. And so uh, I quit that, um, but I started thinking about there was a scholarship I had for Baylor University and it was a full ride. And I got this out of high school and I was like really proud of myself. Like, oh man, this is definitely God's will because that's an opportunity. But I realized um, that this was really about me. And so I, I quit um, going to Baylor. And the more I thought about it and the more it spoke to me is I didn't really quit as much going to Baylor. I quit on something far more dangerous. I, I quit on my selfishness because I was going to do that for me. Like, that was the picture and the epitome of Sean Petrie's kingdom. Amen? Are you guys picking up what I'm putting down? Like, like I, I literally was like, I'm doing this so I can make a lot of money, so I can do it my way. And when I figured all that out, then I'll pursue God. And I realized I shouldn't trust myself. Amen? Like, that I'm going to go back to following God after I do all these. And I'm really going to do this. And there was a call in my life to follow Jesus in a different way. And I was going to put that off. And so what it was, it was not quitting on Baylor. It was quitting on myself. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And this is what it's saying. It's like, your kingdom come, your will be done. It, it's really a death. And the funeral is our own. Amen. We, I guess we didn't come to church for that today. But somebody's got a lot of phone calls up in here. The Holy Spirit, God must call on people today. I love it. Uh, Matthew 6, 10, though, your kingdom come, your will be done, earth as in heaven. And the idea of your will be done means let it come to pass. You know when you say amen, it means so let it be. 
And so when you pray at the end of a prayer, you're saying, God, if it's in your will, God, I'm trusting you. Just let your will be done. Uh, let it happen. I'm willing submitting to the things of Christ. And so if you have your Bible, go to Matthew 26. Um, we're going to roll through this passage. And this is a, really the perfect picture of living out the, the Lord's Prayer. This is the Lord himself, Jesus, actually modeling for us what is to be willing and to submissive to the, the will of the Father. And you're going to find this in Matthew 26, 36. So Matthew 26, 36, if you can flip over there. It says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, this is the garden, right? This is the night he's going to be arrested. Jesus knows what's going down. And he says, sit here. He's talking to his disciples. Sit here while I go over there and pray. And so he has most of the disciples sit down. And he says, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. So two sons of Zebedee. They're talking about James and John. So you got Peter, James, and John. This is the three inner circle. He says, Peter, sons of Zebedee, come along with me. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. He knew exactly what was going to happen that night. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Remember when he prayed and, and he had blood on his brow because of the anxiety and the, the understanding of the weight he was going to carry? He said, stay here and keep watch with me. And so his three inner circle disciples are now with Jesus. And it says, 39, he says, going a little further, this is amazing. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Can you imagine being in that moment? And maybe Jesus walked 50 feet, maybe walked 15 feet. Like maybe he was just an eye shot of disciples and they're looking over because you know they're just like, what is going on? And Jesus <laughs> lays on the ground and he prays. When's the last time that we had that kind of dependence on God? I mean, what a picture that Jesus himself, when you think about laying prone, like on your face, you, you know, you know what this, there's so much about that. It's a symbol of full submission to the Father. It's a symbol of just a willing, voluntary submission and obedience. God, have it your way. God's not mine. It's yours. I want you. And it's a position of vulnerability. It's a position of brokenness. It's a position that says it's not about me, God. It's all about you. And he lays on his face, and he cries out, and he prays this. He says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And we're talking about this cup. That cup is used as, as a symbol of the wrath of God. Because he knows he's going to the cross, and not only be physically just destroyed and beaten to the not recognize a man, not only the worst way to kill somebody through crucifixion, but the, the wrath of God for our sins is going to be poured onto Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. It, it, because Jesus paid all, Jesus took the death penalty. For us, And Jesus knew he was going to do this, that was required of the Father, and he lays on the ground and says, God, if there's any way for this wrath not to be poured on me, man, let it go that way. But if not, not my will, yours be done. Amen? That, that's, that, if Jesus is going to submit to the Father to that level, how much more should we, amen? Be submissive to God. So this is what happens. He prays in verse 40. He says, then he returned to the disciples, and he found them sleeping because they couldn't stay awake. And he says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? And this is a good picture of prayer, right? Just, just one hour. And, and, the, and I will say the first time, it doesn't say they prayed. They were supposed to watch. Not watch and pray, just watch. And they couldn't even stay watch for an hour. And then he said to Peter, because Peter was the, the, the kind of the inner of the inner circle, right? He says, Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing 
and the flesh is weak. I like to use that verse about getting older. Come on, somebody, right? Flesh is weak. But he, what he's saying is that the tempter is going to come. It's going to be easy to do in your own power. It's going to be easy in this season to be dependent on yourself. It's easy for Satan to, to try to disrupt the plans of God and that your flesh is going to be pulled into all these other things. And for, for Peter, you know, he did. He pulled a sword and tried to like, do it his way, right? Because he didn't have the power of God because he fell asleep. And so he said he went away a second time and prayed. So here's Jesus. He's already been prone. He's already prayed. He's already been submissive to the Father. And here it is again. My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. It's incredible. So now there's a second time where he submits himself to the Father. Verse 43, when he came back, he again found them sleeping. So he already kind of sternly warned them. And then they were supposed to keep watch. And now they're supposed to pray. Now they're all sleeping again. Um, you know one of the prayers I pray as a leader is, God, help me not to be asleep when you're doing the battle. Like, don't find me sleeping when you're at work. And, and it's easy to get there, isn't it? Because those Netflix shows are so good, right? I mean, oh, the morning's too early. Like, there's so many reasons not to pray. But the reality is Jesus is saying, we've got to be men and women of prayer. And he came back and he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They were tired. And so Jesus, he just left them. He, he didn't have nothing to say. You know, it was like, we've been down this road. And he went away once more and prayed the what time? The third time saying the same thing. It never dawned on me as I read through this passage that Jesus prayed three times specifically that this will, that God's will be done. Three times in a row, he, he prayed that the Father's cup be passed, but if not, just pour it on me. If there's no other way, just pour it on me. Three times in a row. And I thought about this and I was like, you know what this is saying? Is that Jesus laid down his life three times before he laid down his life. Think about that. Before he went to the cross and physically died and the cup poured on him, he already died to himself three times. Amen? And I just kind of think like in our church today, this is what we need to do. We need to leave here praying that prayer, get, get our face to the floor saying, yes, God, no longer my will, no longer my kingdom. I'm not you. I'm, I, I, I am, I'm fallen, I'm broken, and I need you in my life. I'm dying to myself. I'm not gonna be the same. I'm gonna walk your way. That's a dangerous prayer. You know, the end of you is the beginning of God. Did you know that? Manpower, selfishness, pride, all the things we can build, all, all the toys we can buy, all the, the homes, all, all the things. And then there's Jesus. And we lay ourselves down and say, God, I wanna leverage every piece of my life, every breath in my lungs, every day you give me, every moment I have, every dollar in my account to move your mission forward. We should be excited about that. Amen. Like when we hear the word offering, we should be like, oh man, no. You know, hold on to the pocketbook a little tighter, right? Like, you know, we get so nervous. We should be the kind of people that get excited about being a part of the things of God. Amen. We should be so moving the gospel forward through our generosity, through our service, through our humble attitude in a willing spirit. You know, the end game isn't for you to come to real life. Amen. The end game isn't for you to come to church every week. The end game is to go with the gospel. Amen? Like, I mean, I love coming here, but dude, I would love to say, let's not meet anymore and let's go. Let's make disciples all across our city. Like, let's start churches across the world. And we can fund that, amen? But you always have to be willing to go. Like, I always have to be willing when somebody calls me and says, hey, I think God has something. I've got to be willing to say yes. 
until God tells me no. Amen? There's always a brokenness. And when you live as a Christian, you're just dependent on God to be fed by God. So we're willing to submit ourselves to God's purpose. We're willing to submit ourselves to God's plan, to his way, to his glory. And I'll tell you, we'll not look like you want to look like. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. That, that when I prayed and I had a plan, that God didn't follow my plan. That God had his plan in his way. Amen? He did it his direction. He had the way he wanted to. The reality is that we are very selfish and we can take the glory very quickly. We can pull it back in. We can be self-serving. We can, we can be weak. We can, we can bear no fruit. We can be spiritually apathetic. And what we do with our life, if we were just about ourselves, dies with us. It leaves no legacy. It's just wood, hay, and stubble. And if you know in the Bible, your works go through getting through a fire. And what stays through the fire is what lasts for Jesus. And so as Christians, we're like, man, I'm dependent on God. And what I do depends on God. Then it lasts, amen? And so we're all about building God's kingdom. We're all about his will, his reign, his glory, him being supreme. And so I want to ask you today to, to, to quit on your selfishness, amen? And that may look like quitting a scholarship, may look like quitting a relationship. It may, may look like quitting a career. Maybe not today, but that may be the thing that God's doing. It, it, may, it may be quitting a desire that's just like, this is all about me. It's all about Sean. This is reeks of self. Come on, somebody. And then we don't be like Saul that says, well, hey, look, there's a statue and I got some sheep. God's like, I wanted you, man. Like, I wanted your obedience. I didn't need the sheep, bro. Like, I wanted you to be submissive to me. Matthew 9 and 10, 6, 9, 10. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done as on earth is in heaven. Our disciple. We don't just read the word. We walk with the word. Amen. We pray step by step with Jesus. Wholeheartedly acknowledge that he is and I am not. Like we're at different levels. We'll never be at the same level. I'm just humbled to play part of the story. We wholly cry out your kingdom come, voluntarily saying your will be done. And we get excited about offering. You know, think about this Bible, this grandpa's Bible. So there's a, there's a group called the Gideons. You guys heard of the Gideon Bibles? You've been to a hotel? Come on somebody, right? Open the drawer, Gideon Bible. Um, the Gideons decided in January, 1941, that they would issue 50,000 Bibles to the military to pass out to the to servicemen. Isn't that pretty cool? America had joined the war until December 1941. The war was happening, but we weren't in it. And they said, hey, we're going to be prepared. And so we're going to get 50,000 50, Bibles together. Now, the Gideons at the time, this is, this is a group of Christian businessmen. They got together, and their, their aim, their goal, they actually put it right here in the front of the Bible. John, if I can find quickly enough for you. But they said, they said their commercial business association organized the Christian businessmen. They band together for the fellowship and the promotion of the gospel of Christ to all races and creeds to the end that all might know Jesus as a personal savior. They placed hundreds of thousands of Bibles in hotels, hospitals, penal institutions, and public schools. It doesn't happen anymore. And we are pleased to have the privilege of presenting this to you, this copy of the New Testament Psalms, with the various helps that you might trust and find joy and satisfaction in reading this sacred book. So somebody had the audacity to raise enough money to print 50,000 of these guys and hand it to men and women. They're going to serve our country. Amen. That's incredible. And the Gideons, if you don't know this, they pass out a Bible every half second today. Seven million Bibles go out every single year. They pass over two billion Bibles. That's vision. Amen. That's the heartbeat of God going out. And I don't know about you because they gave, people had this when they're charging and facing death. 
when people are looking down the, the end of a, of a battlefield or at a beach they got a storm, they can hold on to this Bible and they can read this at night when they're lonely and afraid and their best friend was all the things, right? That the word of God was there. And I just think this is what, it, at some level, what it's gonna take for us to get the gospel out is that somebody decide to give to be able to print the Bibles. By the way, the first versions of the service Bibles, you know what day they came to the servicemen? December 8th, 1941. If you know your World War II history, that's the day after Pearl Harbor. And these books were passed out at Pearl Harbor. Come on, God. He knew this was happening. In our country, in our civilization, our time, we have the ability to be the one that gives. We have the ability to give the word of God to our youth, to give the word of God to our elementary kids, to get the word, word of God out disciple making, to get the word out church planting. We can do this, amen? We can play a part of this. And so this is a reminder because someone gave, because someone gave. And I believe God is calling us to be the one that gives, the one that opens our hand and gives freely back to the things of God. You know, th this is a thought that I had thinking through what it is to give. Because a lot of people is like, ah, he's church my mind, church my mind, church my mind, church my mind. It's like, I think you totally missed it. Like if you read through the New Testament, how many times did Jesus ask people to give monetarily? Anybody know? I don't know the exact number, but he, he asked a lot. Do you think about some of those guys? Think about the rich young ruler. This guy had everything, super wealthy. He knew the law. He's the guy asked about the, what's the greatest commandment. He knew this, and Jesus said, hey, give all your, give all your stuff to the poor and follow me. And, and, and he left, what did he say, sorrowful. Because he was unwilling to be obedient to Christ. Because God knew that all the stuff in his life possessed him. So, so Jesus is asking, hey, I wanna, I wanna see you be a part of the kingdom. Are you willing to be obedient? I'll say, if, if you don't give, I'm not like judging nothing or whatever. But I'm just saying, if you don't give, it says something about your heart, not about your budget. It's your heart. Like, it's not a financial problem giving, okay? When people are like, I don't give because I don't have enough money. I don't give because it's so hard. I don't give because I don't have a job. I've been there, man. We've been there. We, we could go up here and we could tell you story, 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 and it look like we're bragging on ourselves. But God's come through and God's done this. It, it, your heart is tied where your treasure is, is where heart be also. And so if your treasure is here on earth, you will find no reason to give. You'll be completely annoyed they're having this conversation. But if your treasure's in heaven, you're like, man, I gotta, I gotta bring God's kingdom now to this world. And for the rich young ruler, his treasure was right here on earth. He did not treasure the things of God. And then I thought the rich man, Lazarus, you guys know the story? Rich man, Lazarus, the beggar, right? And, 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 the, and it's Lazarus ends up in heaven and the rich man ends up in hell and the rich man's never given a name. He's just known as rich man because that's what kept him from knowing Jesus. He actually wouldn't even give his crumbs to the beggar. He just so happened the crumbs would get the beggar. Like he was so ungenerous because he was so selfish. Now, it's just, these are just people I think in the Bible, Jesus asked all the time, how about Zacchaeus? You guys have a little, little man? You wanna sing a song, right? You know, little Zacchaeus, right? It, well, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. And he was like, never gonna know Jesus, right? I mean, he's like the worst of the worst. Nobody, thank you for the taxes, you know, just mail that come in the mail, right? I mean, we all hate the tax guy, right? Chris Mellendorf, come on, we don't want to see him right now. He doesn't show his face for three months of the year, you know? But the reality is a tax collector, he doesn't want to, that was a Cass County joke. If you're, if you're in a different county, you know what I'm talking about, but he's a, he's a tax collector. Um, anyway, but, but the, reality, the reality is, is that Zacchaeus, he meets Jesus, and what does he say to him? He said, I'll pay back everything tenfold. 
I'll give it all away. And what happened to Zacchaeus? He was saved. His family was saved. And not because they gave the money, it's because God knew where his heart was. And if you're not willing to give of your kingdom to God's kingdom, then you're no longer really a part of God's kingdom. That's what he's saying. Like, if it's all about you, then you're really not about Jesus. And so there's this direct correlation. Nothing about Cain and Abel, first, first generation of humanity, right? And, and Cain's gift was unpleasing to God, but Abel's was. And the difference was that Cain was, Cain's gift was his leftovers. Cain, Cain gave his worst. Cain gave last. After he had his first fruits, he gave his second fruits to God, and God wasn't pleased. And so the problem with Cain is that he held on too long. Amen? And if we hold on to all the stuff we got, we will miss what God has for us. And it will really be that feeling of like, man, I wish I would have. You guys, who's seen Schindler's List since we're on Veterans Day and all the things? You guys should, I mean, we've all maybe hopefully seen, if you haven't seen it, you just need to see it. And he gets to the end, he has that wedding ring on, remember that? He spins that wedding ring around and he pulls it off. And he says, this would have been, I don't even remember as he said, but this is how many Jews I could have saved if I just got rid of this wedding ring. We just gave it all away. And I think like so often, like, man, how much of the kingdom am I holding back because I'm unwilling to give? God can do it. But man, I want to be a part of the blessing, amen? Like, I'm not a big fan of, of, of Christians spending all their money on all the things in the world. Not, you can have nice things, nothing wrong with nice things, amen? Amen? You can spoil yourself on things, but we've got to put God first. And so this series is saying, God, I'm, I'm bowing before you. I'm humbling myself. And I want your way, your reign. And God, whatever you ask me to give, which by the way, the first thing I ask you to give is yourself, amen? And then he'll ask you to open and say, whatever you need, God. And we need a church that's fed by God and led by God. We can't, we can't be the type of people that we, look what I did. Uh, I'll tell you when, you, when you give here and, and you may be the guy, guys that can move the needle like a distance, you ain't gonna no name on a building. Come on, somebody. We're not showing up to Sean Petrie Auditorium or Blah Blah Auditorium because it's not our name we're lifting up, amen? It's the glory of Jesus. And so I would encourage you to be generous as God leads you to be in this series, but have the heart of the disciple. And this is what we walk every day and you're reading the Bible. Don't forget to pray. Don't neglect. I mean, if you have not been on your face before God this last week, this last month, this last year, there's no reason today that you would just lay down and say, God, I surrender all. We need to go old school invitation today, right? And so God, we're just asking you to move today, right? Move in my heart, move in my life, change me. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, we're going to just, just give this time to God. We come before you. God, take it all. You gave it all. You modeled it, gave it all. You paid for it all. Took the full cup of your wrath. Okay, you sacrificed everything. You hold nothing back. You've given everything to us. Breath in our lungs. Substance to eat. A roof over our head. A job. Ability to work. Gifting personality. God, we owe it all to you. God, we're dependent on you. And so we're begging our hands and knees and our face, God, that your will be done. God, I want it this way, but God, if not, have your way, have your will, have your direction. If that's you today and you're praying that prayer and you're just getting right with God and you're saying, I want my heart to be heart towards God. I want to be a kingdom builder for the things of Christ. I mean, if that's you and God just speaking to you, just raise your hand high and say, that's me today. Come on, that's me all across this place. Come reminded just humble ourselves. God, you see the hands. God, let's be disciples of heart towards you. I'll pray for one more group of people, and that's those of you who say, you know what? I'm the guy that's built my own kingdom. I'm the guy that's done my own way. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I've been struggling my own direction. But today I recognize that I need to follow Jesus' direction. I recognize we're doing that cross. That he took the full wrath 
of my sin, that he did for me what I could never do for myself. I recognize that Jesus is the only name I need to bow down to. I've been given power to everything else in my life besides Jesus, but today I need to be in his kingdom. I need to cry out in my heart, my father. I need a personal walk with God today. The Bible says, anybody calls in the name of Jesus be saved, forgiven, and made new. My grandpa's Bible says, how to become a Christian. It says, come, he that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out, John 6, 37. It said, receive, as many as received him, they gave the power to become the sons of God, John 1, 12. And believe, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, John 3, 36. The gospel's coming to you today. This Bible's 80 years old. Today, the gospel's gonna speak to your soul. This, this Bible did not come here on accident today. You did not come here on accident today. If you need to walk with Jesus today and humble your heart, I'm not gonna call you out and make it weird, but if you need to walk with Jesus, just raise your hand today. I need to walk with Jesus. Just our relationship with Jesus today. Come on across this place, this is for you. If you're online, I see your hand. You say, I need Jesus. Full circle, man. If that's you, just gonna give you a prayer to pray. Pray to save you, but just a heart towards God and say, thank you so much for the one, for those who gave, so I could hear the gospel today. God, I need you in my life. God, forgive my sin. God, forgive it about making it about me and my kingdom. God, I realize that you are the reigning supreme all, ruler of all. And God, I bow my knee to you. God, I confess my sin to you. God, I need Jesus. Thank you for dying for me, for loving me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, get up for Jesus. Come on now. 80 years from now, think about this, 80 years from now, we, do, we get to move the mission forward and somebody in this room is gonna have a Bible they never had and then somebody's gonna go, my grandpa had a Bible and they're gonna stand at a pulpit or in a small group or the family and a kid. They're gonna point the things to God because you guys gave. Praise God, amen. Come on. Man, that's good, isn't it? Sean talked about giving, and, 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 and if, if you're here today and you took that first step of giving your life to God, can I tell you, you know that we're all in. We want to help you in any way that we possibly can. We're so excited for you. So if that's you today, I would invite you guys, uh, whether you're online or with his person, mark that connection card uh, and say that, you know, I follow Jesus, give my life to God. What we want to do is start you off on the right foot, send you a book called uh, Begin. It's just a great way to get started. Uh, another great thing is if you're with us in person, on your way out of the worship center, there's a red bag. Grab that. There's a Bible inside. Take that Bible. It's good. It's uh, going to be an awesome first stop. There's some uh, resources inside that bag. Again, we are all in for you. We can't wait to see what God does with your guys' life. Sean talked about the spirit of the giving, the heart of giving, right? And we are launching our Kingdom Come offering. He talked about this expansion. And this is, uh, what do you call Pastor Sean? This is an all skate. This is for everybody, right? And I love the idea. I love the vision. I love the passion for generosity, really because it feeds out of what God's done for us. And so this vision uh, of reaching in requires you guys to do something. And I want you guys to do a couple things. Number one is pray. Sean talked about that. Really pray. How many of you guys have really asked God what he wants for you to do in the area of generosity? I would venture it's not very many. Even people that give all the time, they really don't really go to God and say, hey, God, what do you have for me in this area? Number two, look around, because Sean's given us a, a, a big vision of the things that we can do for this expansion, almost $200,000. And it sounds like a lot of money, but ultimately it's not. You guys have heard of inflation? And, and it's killing everybody, right? But man, God doesn't worry about inflation. 
God wants to use expansion. He wants to use and take what you've got and move it forward and to get those Bibles in teens' hands, to, 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 to feed into those interns, to, to bless ministries across the world. And so our opportunity to do that, it, it, it's, it, it's an opportunity that will, will reap dividends for, for a long time. And we're going to do something else new here. And I want you guys to check out this slide because we've always done three ways to give, but we're going to throw up some different ways for you guys. Maybe you haven't thought of before. As always, we've always done cash, but what have you, what have you ever thought about stocks, Apple Pay, there's non-cash assets. You can click this QR code. We have to get innovative in to, to, to follow what God wants for us in, in this area of generosity. So, you know, my prayer for you guys is to, uh, is, is, is to, to think about who you are and where you're at right now in this area because there's so many of us in here, you know, maybe we've never given at all. Something we've never been taught, something we never thought about. Maybe this is your opportunity to start today just to give back to God. Or maybe you give intermediate, uh, you know, on, on an intermittent basis. Maybe this is the time you can become strategic and let God just uh, put a passion in your heart to make this as a regular item in your life. Or maybe that's what you already do. And you're, you're, you're consistent, you're systematic in how you give. But maybe you've never been challenged to be irrational. I've been called crazy. I've been called irrational. But can that be said about me in the area of giving? Can that be said about you in the area of giving? Because God wants everything, our whole heart. And so when we make that sacrifice and that gift back to God, this stuff that I've given away, I don't remember. But what I do remember are the things and the lives that have impacted. And so Sean talked about, you know, just being the idea of being led and fed by God. And when we look back at the things that change through what God does in this, I want to look and say, hey, I got to play a part of that. And I know that's your guys' heart too. When you get to see men and women, boys and girls across this world have a Bible in their hand and Jesus in their heart, and you can say, yes, God, thank you for giving me the opportunity to give something in a way that, I, I, that doesn't temporarily matter, but changes the eternity of, of people. God, thank you. I see teens' lives change. I see interns that have been raised up for, for God. It's because we played, we played a, a part of this. And so uh, I can't wait to see what God does with this offering. And I just want to encourage you guys, ask God what he wants. It's not what Pastor Sean's, you know, asking for you guys. It's not what I'm asking for you. Get on your feet, get on your face, on your knees. Ask God what he wants. And so if you're new with this, as Pastor Sean talked about, you know, we don't want anything from you. This is a heart for the church. Our really what, only thing we would ask for you guys is turn that connection card in, drop that in the giving bucket. You know, this uh, gathering is our gift to you. Thank you so much for being here. If you do call Real Life Home, you can still connect with generosity uh, as always in three different ways. You can go online at reallifechurchkc.com. You can text any amount to 84321, or if you want to use a cash or check, you can drop that in the giving box or in the buckets as they pass here in a minute. Uh, lastly, if you or your family find yourself in immediate need of food, clothing, or shelter, please reach into those buckets and grab any loose cash to help your family in this time of need. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we just come before you. God, just thank you for, for the heart of the people. God, just thank you for the vision of generosity that, that, that uh, starts with our pocketbooks our pocketbooks and our time, but really it flows out of what you've given us and you've given us everything. God, just thank you for, uh, for, for the gift that you've given us in your son. God, just thank you for allowing us to play a part in giving back. And we lift up these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Give it up for a great day in the house this morning.
again, happy Veterans Day weekend to all who have served and all who celebrate. Um, quick heads up, if you are wondering what is going on at Real Life over the next couple months, it is going to be a busy season. So make sure you're checking out those weekly emails um, and as well the events page um, on our website. Um, if you need prayer for any reason, we will have a team member here up at the stage uh, immediately following this gathering. Uh, we will be right back here at 930 and 11 o'clock next week. And as always, whoever finds Jesus discovers and purpose. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.